0: welcome back chelsea fans to the romans empire podcast where all we do is talk chelsea and talk shit about everyone else andres boy oh boy it's been a while since we recorded i'm not gonna lie um i'm very very excited for today's episode we got a lot to talk about we got some euros got some transfer news um our content has been lacking so there definitely is not a lack of talking points as a result am i right
1: that's right. We have we have to play catch up. We've been slacking this summer, so it's time for us to to put our big boy pants on and bring back Roman's Empire.
0: Let us do it. So um you kinda want to take the reins on this one?
1: Yeah, we'll start pretty much where the summer started, and that's the Euros. I technically it started a little bit earlier after the Champions League. Polisic did win the CONCACAF Nations League with the US, but The big talking point is Euro 2020, which they, yes, they are still calling it 2020 and 2021. And Chelsea players were everywhere in this tournament. And I feel like it's wrong to start anywhere else, but with the champions in Italy who were, in my opinion, the best team from day one and throughout the tournament. Not sure if you agree with that or not. Uh, Agreed. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Pretty, I actually I think it's pretty self explanatory. I,
0: I I actually helped my brother out with his Euros bracket um once the knockout stage started and I had Italy going all the way through. So glad it worked out.
1: Yeah, and the person that benefited the most was J five now, J eight for Italy, Jorginho himself had himself quite a tournament. Um he started every single match for Italy, if I'm not mistaken. I don't think he was ever subbed out. Uh, I don't think he ever got into yellow card trouble or anything like that, but he was arguably Italy's best player in the tournament. I know that Donnarumma won player of the tournament, but I really think that the penalty heroics pushed him over the edge in terms of the votes there. But Mm -hmm. in, in terms of what he accomplished, he had the most passes in the Euros out of any player. Uh, he was second in tackles and interceptions in the Euros. And I believe he actually broke the record for interceptions mm-hmm. in the tournament like lifetime. So out of any Euros, I'm pretty sure he now holds the record on interceptions. Uh, he was second in total ball recoveries and third in distance covered. So, I mean, those numbers that I think they speak for themselves. I think Jorginho, his resurgence started under Tuchel and, now he seems like the kind of guy that you need on your team, both club and country.
0: Andres, dare I say it, one of the best midfielders in world football. And this is coming from a guy that a year ago, <laughs> around this same time, was willing to <laughs> sell him for $40 million or $50 million. Um, no, Jorginho was, was fantastic. Um, I think the most impressive part about um, his performances in general was that he played in a two for most of this season hopped into the Euros played in a 3 um, and didn't skip a beat granted the other two midfielders he were playing he was playing with could be put in that same conversation as some of the best midfielders that world football has to offer and uh Verratti and Barella um but no I, it was a very impressive euros performance from him um I'm glad that he ca- I'm glad that he was one of the captains of the side I almost said the captain but that was Chiellini. um but yeah no very very uh, very good Uh, performances from him Um, hopefully he can carry it into next season and look um, he's showing zero signs of slowing down and this is somebody that we talked about possibly being one of the players that gets phased out going into next season as we look to improve the squad and honestly I don't see him going anywhere anytime soon
1: yeah and and he's the first that we're going to talk about throughout this tournament that I feel like has shown a little bit more bite and swagger after being champion of Europe Mm -hmm. Um, he was a vocal leader and then it was great to see, I think it was in the, was it the semis against Spain that he got the cold blooded penalty and people got to see his penalty style and everyone was freaking out. Like even NBA players who don't often watch soccer were saying that it was ice cold. So it was fun to, for Jorginho to get that sort of recognition, It was
0: the Jorginho hop before it was the Bruno hop. Let's not get it twisted, guys. Jorginho was doing this for almost two full seasons in the – or no, one full season in the Premier League before Bruno did. So suck it, Bruno, who, by the way, sucked in the Euros. He was awful.
1: He – yeah, the theory that Bruno – well, the theory that's starting to become fact that Bruno doesn't show up for big games remained so far in this tournament. But and a surprise for me was the other Chelsea Italian in Emerson – So, throughout the tournament, Spinazzola was deployed at left back and, in my opinion, was the best left back in the tournament. And, unfortunately for him, he tore his Achilles, I believe, in the quarterfinals. Yeah. Uh, Very, very unfortunate. You know, he has been struggling with injuries for the past two or three seasons. A lot was made that, you know, he even was called up for the squad. Then he was performing like crazy. Mourinho gets announced as a Roma manager, and he was probably licking his chops. And again, prayers out to Spanatoa to to have a quick recovery and hopefully can stay healthy after this injury. But I thought Emerson came on and was surprisingly above average. I I don't want to say he was spectacular, (laughs) but for a guy that was not supposed to play a single minute, except trash minutes probably after a game was secured, you know, people... Like friends of mine were always saying, oh, you have to target Emerson. Like he's going to be the reason Italy lose. And on the contrary, I thought he was solid enough to where maybe you missed the offensive output of Spinazzola, but not much on the defensive end, which was shocking to me.
0: Yeah, no, I Emerson, he, he's one of those players where, like you said, you don't expect them to come in and necessarily set the world alight. He just needs to come in and be average for him to do his job. That's all anybody expects out of him. Um I'm not going to overreact and say he was necessarily good because I think Chiellini and Benucci probably put together one of the best performances as a center back duo in recent memory um, in a major tournament. So I'm not going to give too much credit, but um, yeah, no, all you can do is come in and and not make any mistakes, not make the team worse. And I don't think he necessarily made – he definitely didn't make them better. Um, and missing Spinazzola was huge but defensively he held his own Um, you know obviously going forward is where he lacked a little bit compared to Spinazzola but happy for him he raised his transfer price and that's all exactly about. that's what I was
1: gonna <laughs> say you know if, if a move from the Serie A comes in it'll, it won't be for 10 it might be for 15 or 18 million so yeah. I'll take the extra cash for, for the Chelsea transfer bank so um, that kind of narrows it in that kind of closes it out for Italy and we'll go to the other finalists in England. Uh, England had the most Chelsea players alongside Germany in the tournament with Mason Mount, Reese James and Ben Chilwell. Unfortunately, our fullbacks rarely got used Uh, Southgate preferring both uh, Luke Shaw, Kyle Walker, and even Kieran Trippier ahead of the other, uh, the Chelsea guys. So, It was mostly Mason Mount that got the minutes. He did miss two matches because of a dumb two-minute interaction with Billy Gilmore that got extremely overblown, like, blown out of proportion by UEFA. The whole Scotland team got to still play, but, you know, Mason Mount and Chilwell had to sit out a few matches. But Mason Mount, while he wasn't as, you know, involved with everything as he is at Chelsea – He still had a big impact for England. Um, He had 1.6 average key passes per 90, which was the second in the whole team. 7.28 average match rating, which was the fourth in his team. Three big chances created in the tournament. That was third in the team. And uh, 2.2 tackles per 90 as a center attacking mid. And that was the first overall in the English side. So Mason Mount putting in the hard yards as he always does. Uh, I honestly thought he had a good tournament. I don't think he, you know, set the world alight like he did during the Champions League for Chelsea, but he didn't get injured. He still played well. And in an extra negative side like Southgates, I'll take this sort of performance.
0: Yeah, I'm kind of bummed that he didn't get his goal. I was looking for that goal. Um, you know, it would have been nice to see him score in a major tournament for England, but. Again, I, I think as as long as Southgate decides to be this, you know, ultra—I don't want to say negative, but defensive—he's um, gonna have to play Mason Mount as much as possible. I think that's that's probably the first name on the team sheet. 2.2 tackles per 90 gives you everything you need to know. Best in the team. Um, his role was very similar to the one he played at Chelsea, and I feel like that's why he was able to perform really well in this tournament. But like you said, Andres. My main thing going in was making sure that he didn't pop a hammy. He played a lot of minutes going in, um, going into this tournament um, towards the end of our season. He was probably one of our most utilized players, if I'm not mistaking. Him and Dave um, come to mind when I think of two guys that very, very rarely got rotated in and out of the side. So glad he stayed healthy. Um, and I am going to say I think my favorite, um, my favorite moment of him this whole entire summer was watching him uh, – shoot on a basketball hoop on a yacht in a Kobe jersey. That just kind of, it was like my favorite Chelsea player and wearing my favorite athlete ever jersey. So that was cool to see.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, again, Mason keeping his form. I'm, in a weird way, I'm glad Chilwell and and Reese James didn't play. Um, I remember Chilwell kind of had like a late season Scare in one of the matches for Chelsea. So Mm -hmm. for them to to travel, get the experience with the national team and and just stay healthy. I mean, we've had barely any rest between uh, the 19 to 20 end of the season to the 2021. We obviously made it into the end of the Champions League and won it, which extended our season even a little bit more. So good for the English boys to stay healthy. Now, Mm -hmm. I want to move on to the other two final four countries in Denmark and Spain, which we're both a surprise for different reasons to make it that far. Denmark obviously rallying after the very scary uh, moment surrounding Christian Eriksen and, and his heart. Um, obviously the team turned it around. I think they, they barely scraped by because of gold differential or head, no head to head with Russia. I think got them the best third place finish in their group. And then in the elimination matches, they took care of business and Christiansen along the way had, Maybe the goal of the tournament.
0: Now we know why he never scores at Chelsea, because he only gets opportunities with his head, which he's completely incapable of hitting the target with. <laughs> um Maybe he needs to hit it with his foot more often, and it'll go in. Good <laughs> Lord. If it wasn't for Patrick Schick, you might have a goal of the tournament.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, Patrick Schick, one of the players that definitely made his... um What's the word? He kind of left his footprint in this tournament. It's hard to, to knock talk goals without what he did to Scotland, I believe. Am I saying that correctly? Was it Scotland that he embarrassed? Let's
0: just put it this way. A lot of us thought he was chic going into the Euros, and now he's not so shick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> God. God. Somebody, yeah, somebody <laughs> had to fill in <laughs> the bad puns when Psalm's not here. But uh, anywho, yeah. we'll move on to Spain, who to me, I'm sure Oh, uh, sorry, sorry to
0: cut Go you ahead. off, Andres. One more thing on Christensen. Something that we should keep an eye on is that he did pick up a knock towards the end of the Euros there. Looked like a little non-contact muscle injury to the back of the leg, probably a hamstring. Listen, he's been really susceptible to these kinds of injuries um, throughout his career. Considering he hasn't really played a full season at the same position consistently, I would say. Um, that's something just to keep an eye on because now both of our, um, you know, both of our center backs that are capable of playing up the middle are now, I don't necessarily want to say injury prone, but they definitely are more at risk than some of our other players at picking up knocks. So something to look at heading into the season.
1: Yeah. I mean, he, he got hurt, but he came back on, so he did finish the match. So again, I thought he got taken
0: off. I'm not too sure.
1: Either way, he'll get some he rest. Taken off. Yeah. He's got two, three more weeks. If it is a hamstring, he'll be past the usual time it takes to heal one by the time the season starts. And Thiago Silva is still extremely healthy. So if we need Thiago Silva to you know, start for two matches before Christian back, so be it. I don't think any Chelsea fan will complain. <laughs> but Definitely. speaking of our center backs, our captain, Aspiliqueta, was called up by Spain, finally finally getting the recognition he deserved. He did not start the first two matches for Spain. And if my memory serves me right, they did not win either of the first two matches of the Euros.
0: That is correct.
1: Aspie comes on in the third match, and I believe they win 5-1. to one.
0: With an Aspie goal.
1: Aspie one. goal as well. And then mm-hmm. they went on to score five goals in the next match as well in the quarterfinals against Croatia. They make it then to the semifinals, And he still played there, and they had to go all the way to penalties for uh, Italy to finally um, kind of take care of business like they did throughout the tournament. But again, Aspie, you you bring him on. I don't know why Luis Enrique was forcing Jorente to play right back. But when you play players in the right position and add a little bit of experience, you see how much better the team got. Aspie was included, I think, alongside Busquets, who didn't start the first few matches. And just, again, you bring in a Champions League winner and look what happens. You you turn a, a whole tournament around.
0: So underappreciated. I fucking love that, man.
1: Yeah, and, and again, another player that, you know, he is going up in age, didn't have to put too much mileage in the tank during this tournament, get his time off now, and he'll be ready to go for next season. It'll be it'll be interesting to see how we'll start lining up whether it's going to be with him on the right side whether it's Christensen on the right side or whether it's even Reese James on the right side of that back three. Mm-hmm. Um, moving on to the biggest disappointment in my opinion as a country in the tournament, to France. This was probably the most overhyped international side going into this Euros. Uh, mm-hmm. Am I am I good to say that? No, you're good to
0: say that. They couldn't have not just won the Euros. They could have won the World Cup, the Champions League, every major tournament possible. <laughs> this team is this team's. I don't think we've seen a team this stacked before. It's crazy. The only thing they didn't have was a right back.
1: Yeah, outside backs in general. I guess yeah. they like they love playing their their center backs at fullback and Deschamps. Deschamps. Sorry, let me say that correctly. We'll have to pay the price for that because Furlon Mendy probably could have deputized at left back and they probably could have done better than Jules Koundé or even uh, Pavard at right back. But anyway, France unfortunately disappoints our very own World Cup and Champions League winner N'Golo Kante, who going into the Euros was being touted as probably the Ballon d'Or kind of front runner. You know, a, a good run in the Euros could have sealed it for him. Now – probably won't be in the final three, which is really sad because I mean, could you imagine an golo conte ballon' d'Or? I mean the the guy that doesn't want it getting an individual trophy you he, just make my life
0: this was probably the biggest disappointment for me um, if you if I'm looking at the whole tournament as a whole because I really, really thought if France made they didn't even have to win it. I think if France just made the final and played well up through the final, Conte would be a shoo-in. Um, but, yeah, it's, it, it is kind of disappointing. They're just a team that has so much talent and is so stacked but does not know how to put it together on the pitch. <laughs> I thought Mbappe was horrible, which was shocking because he's usually really good so in big matches.
1: So um, bad.
0: He was completely absent in the tournament. Um, Benzema was the one that was trying to drag them to glory, um, but he seemed to blow really hot or really cold. There was no consistency out of that out of that front he, three
1: whatsoever. I think he only scored in the match against Switzerland where they got eliminated. Uh, Benzema, and he,
0: and, and he was really good all around in that match. And the thing is, is I was watching it and thinking to myself, okay, well, well where was this in the first match? Where was this in the group
1: stage? The group stage, yeah, because I yeah. I was I was joking that you know. Um, during the World Cup where France won, everybody was so quick to point out that it took Giroud this many shots in the tournament, and he didn't score. Well, the stats were piling on to make Benzema the exact same case, and I was just thinking, oh, look how fun, how ironic, you know? Everybody wanted to point the finger at Giroud, but here's the guy that's supposed to be the savior of this team and the missing piece to make them even better, and it took him to the final match to do so. Um, obviously to Giroud's detriment Benzema played most of the time Uh, but you know I think this was the tournament that he was worried about and kind of kept the the transfer rumors during his time at Chelsea uh, alive that he wanted to make it to the next tournament that Deschamps wanted to bring him on and it's unfortunate that he couldn't get another trophy for France but Now Giroud gets a move that we'll talk about a little bit later. Again, barely used during the tournament, so not much we can add on him. And off to my disappointment of the tournament in Germany. Obviously, I'm a big Germany fan. I'm honestly just glad that the Joachim Lo era is over after the World Cup. I feel like he just quit trying or even caring, and it showed in the Russia World Cup. It showed in this Euro's. But our Chelsea boys, for the most part, did great. Kai Havertz continued his end-of-season form, playing in a similar role as he did for us in the R343. Instead of being the central piece, he was uh, on the right side a little bit more here, working off of, at one point, Serge Nabry, at one point, um, I believe, it was was Thomas Muller. And honestly, if Thomas Muller could finish a one-on-one chance, who knows? Maybe we would have talked about Kai Havertz and Jorginho battling it out in the final because, mm. yeah, that Kai Havertz, we, you talk about Benzema trying to do everything for France. Kai Havertz was doing anything he could for Germany to to move forward. He essentially caused two goals against Portugal, which were then credited as own goals both times. Should have had at least two assists against England that Timo Werner and then uh, Thomas Muller both could not put away. I mean, the the, the class oozed out of Havertz. The dribbling, the, the vision. I mean, it was all there. I think he had a case to be the young player of the tournament. Uh, I if they think went that, further,
0: I think he would have been a lock over Pedri.
1: Yeah, I was going to say Pedri probably gets it because he did perform in the, in the next round which mm-hmm. gave him an extra 90 minutes, and he was just that good in that he match. Is ri-
0: he's ridiculous. He's a special and player.
1: 18 years old Barcelona for once made the right uh, business decision getting him. Yeah. But, um yeah, Havertz, I thought this was great to see because we're now midway through July, and we still haven't signed a new striker. So if we're going to have to go with a makeshift, makeshift striker, I'm glad that Kai Havertz is still firing in all cylinders because mm-hmm. on the opposite end, Timo Werner... If anybody thought he was going to get redemption in this tournament, he did not. I think that this was by far the worst we've seen of him. Not even worse than when he was playing out in the wing at Chelsea. Like, I think this is by far the worst cameo of matches that I've seen Timo Werner play in the past year.
0: Maybe this is why Timo never comes off the bench for Chelsea. Because there's this knowledge from Tuchel that he just does not perform. If you're going to get a performance from him at all, it's going to come with him starting. I don't know what it is with him. Um, He's sort of an anomaly. And the shitty thing is, um, now that I I know we're going to get to it a little bit later, if I want anybody involved in the freaking Holland deal, it's this guy. (laughs) Send him back to Germany. Let him get his 25 and 15 again. We get Holland. We'll throw in another, you know, 100 mil. Let's get that deal done. Um, no, it it was concerning, man. And it, he was one of the players that I was really watching this tournament because I remember watching him in the Confederations Cup years ago playing for Germany, and he was really, really good for them. Scored a few goals, assists. And he, he he was touted as, quote-unquote, the striker of the future, um, and it just kind of hasn't panned out for him. So the fact that he didn't perform again is concerning. But on the flip side, he got a guy like Kai Havertz who – I think all the questions have been answered. Um, if anybody still had any doubts about him going into the Champions League final, he proved them wrong. And if there were any questions going into the Euros, I think he definitely proved them wrong. Even to, uh, I, I'm trying to find the right word and I can't, but you get my point. I, I just think this is a special player and everybody is starting to realize that. There is this foregone conclusion now all over Twitter that Kai Havertz is the next big thing. And I don't think that's uh I I don't think that's very far off. And like you said, Andres, the big positive here is that he's putting in these performances and he's scoring goals going into next season. And my stance right now, and granted to everybody who's listening, take this with a grain of salt, we are not insiders by any stretch. I don't think the Holland deal is gonna happen. Um so if it doesn't this is what we have to go with for the season. And I feel pretty comfortable with that. Granted, he's not going to get you your 25 or 30 goals next year like a Holland would, but he's going to be scoring somewhere in the double figures. And he's also going to be possibly in the double figures for assists as well. So we will have something to build on going into next season. But um, I, I think the bigger issue here is that Timo has just continued his poor run of form. You know, he he didn't give any flashes of of uh or show any signs of hope going into next season. So Tuchel definitely still has his hands full um, when it comes to Timo. I I don't know what the solution is, but um we have to come up with one soon. Otherwise, I, I, I don't notices. think his time at Chelsea is going to be that long. Yeah, right. Let's bring in some sort of voodoo. I don't care. Wh- whatever we need to do has to happen. Um, this is this is a guy who has. A lot of talent and a lot to give to the team, and yeah, we just haven't seen it. It's frustrating. Yeah, he needs
1: to, to. For me, he needs to just not kick a ball during his time off. Like, don't even watch. Don't even look at a fo- football. Like, just D de- like unplug. Just don't think about your career. He needs to go to
0: more F one races. races.
1: <laughs> just let him sit back, enjoy whatever he's doing during his time off, and then he can come back with a semi-clear head because yeah you're right i i'm getting more and more nervous about the striker position or lack thereof uh and that means that we're gonna have to rely on players like timo werner to to bring in goals i'm hoping that it's one of those things where because he's doing the right thing and he's getting into the right positions it's just a matter of time till they start banging and i'm gonna keep that positive perhaps naive outlook going into next season. But the Euros, obviously if you were a fan that was over the team over in starting it for Chelsea, then you obviously now feel vindicated because he was just not that good. Yeah. Um, the last player I want to mention, and he's not the last player in the Euros, but just kind of the last one that made, you know, a bit of an impact is uh Billy Gilmore for Scotland. He got to start the last group match or the second? Second group match.
0: Second group match,
1: yeah. For Scotland. Uh, They drew against England, and none other than Billy Gilmore got himself a man of the match. So, Mm -hmm. not only did he get a man of the match in his FA Cup debut, his Premier League debut, Champions League debut, but now he gets one in his Euros debut, all at age 20, if I'm not mistaken? Something like that. Just turned 20 during the tournament? Yep. So, I mean you got to love this from Billy Gilmore. Unfortunate for him to to, to get COVID, you know, and, and miss the next match. But, I mean, the guy plays way above his size, way above his age in terms of IQ. I He secured, I'll go ahead and just say it now, he secured a, a loan to Norwich, and you better believe that if I see his name on a team sheet, I will have a second screen on at yeah. every single Norwich game. Mm-hmm. He is now, you know, for for someone that I've lost a little bit of hope in the way we do loans, the last loans that I think were, you know, loans that we were going to really look at was the Mason Mount and the Reese James one. Mm-hmm. And, and I did pick up more derby matches to watch when Mason Mount was on the team sheet. I'm going to be doing the exact same thing here with Billy Gilmore. He's going into Norwich side that just trounced the championship. They look to play actual football and they have a need in midfield. So I think this is one of those loans where it is mutually beneficiary for both uh, Norwich and Chelsea here. So I expect him to be getting lots of minutes. And the way he performed for a sad Scotland side, because, again, we mentioned Patrick Schick earlier and what he did to them to turn that around and just deny England of any sort of points that they should have gotten the same England team that made it made it to the finals. That's a huge performance from a young 20-year-old.
0: Just like uh, Kai Havertz, I think I think Billy Gilmore was another player that a lot of Chelsea fans had questions about. Um, probably more so than Kai Havertz because we haven't really seen much of Billy besides, you know, a few cameos here and there. But every time he had a cameo, he was phenomenal. So the big question is, OK, is this kid the real deal or are these just one-offs? Is he just... Or is it just a coincidence that he's winning man of the match every time he steps on the pitch and starts a <laughs> game? Um, he answered a lot of questions as well, man. Um, this is a player who is special, <laughs> and I know I yeah I, I've used that word a few times in this podcast, but the three players I've used it for are Pedri, Havertz, and Billy Gilmore. So. I'm I'm excited. You know, they're, they're hard to argue with. Yeah, that, the, it, the thing with Billy, um. Norwich fans are over the moon that they have him. I think they understand that they have a player who's going to have an effect similarly to the one that Conor Gallagher had at West Brom last season where he sort of transforms the whole way that midfield operates. I think he'll have a bigger impact than Conor Gallagher. I think he's a shoo-in for player of the season over there. Um, He should start every single game. And I think the interesting thing is the the Farka connection, you know, there's that German connection. Him and Tuchel are buddies. If I'm not mistaken, they've worked together before. Yes.
1: Um,
0: so obviously there's a good relationship there. It's clear to everybody that there's discuss- that there was discussions between him and Tuchel about, you know, what Billy's role is. Otherwise, you wouldn't have sent him there. Um, and like you, Andres, I was a little bit worried about our about our recent loan moves. Um, you know, most notably guys like Ethan Ampadu last season who. You know, didn't really get much of a look in and didn't develop and, you know, had a rough Euros as a result. So with this loan move, I feel really confident because Billy's going to get the time. He's going to be with a German manager that's going to be able to uh, continue a fruitful relationship with Tuchel, which is probably the most important aspect of this loan move in general. Um, and he's also playing progressive football, something we haven't mentioned either. Norwich are a championship side, but they aren't, um, they aren't a, a negative side like in the way we talked about England. They do like to play on the front foot. They do like to score goals. They do like to possess. So it's going to be interesting. Um, I definitely have my eye on Norwich um, this season, not only, um, you know, or, or only for Billy Gilmore, but I am going to be keeping my eye on him between now and the re- end of the transfer window because they do have some money to spend. They did sell Emi Buendia. So if they can get a striker or another player to possibly help Pookie score those goals, um, Billy Gilmore is going to be in for for an awesome season.
1: I was going to say, with Wendy leaving, they're going to have to count on other players. I think it's, his name was Cantwell or Caldwell. or Cantwell. 14. Yeah, yeah. He, they're going to rely yeah. on him. Obviously, Pookie's still there. Um, I don't think they've sold Aarons, who is that young fullback that, uh, you know, is always linked with teams like you and Bayern Munich. Yeah, So again, There is... Uh, there's, there's talent there. I mean, Tim Cruel is still their, their keeper. Um, they went down and they're right back up to the, to the premier league. So hopefully this time around, they'll figure it out. And hopefully Billy Gilmore is, is the big, you know, the a big contributor for that. Um, I, I will save some of the the stuff I want to say about loans for, for later in the podcast uh, so that I don't get repetitive, but now that we mentioned his loan move, I think it's time that we kind of move into the transfer news. Um, lots of outgoing, but then there's also a lack of incoming. So we'll start with the ones that everyone already knows. Tomori to AC Milan became official pretty quickly this summer. Reported about $20 million, uh, move that was built into his initial loan contract. Um, sad, but happy for Tomori. So sad for the club because obviously... He proved himself in the Premier League and Champions League under Frank's first season. Just sad to see him go selfishly, but he feels pretty at home. And I think he's almost fluent in Italian now. So, I mean, good for him. Had a great end of the season at Serie A.
0: That makes him what? Able to speak four languages now?
1: English, French, maybe, because he's part Canadian.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking French.
1: And then I know that he has some African descent, so I don't know if he speaks any dialects down there. Who knows? I'm sure
0: he does. I'm sure he does. I mean, if he could pronounce his name, he has to speak a dialect (laughs) down there.
1: (laughs) Who knows? But uh, good, good for the guy. Hopefully the minutes in Italy can see him get called up to the national side. Obviously, he's still young, and England does have a lot of center backs, but... I think had he played a full season, he would have been called up to the Euros and, and perhaps even gotten a few games, kind of like Tyrone Minks did. Um, staying in Milan, as of this week, Olivier Giroud finished his move to Milan as well, 1.1 million. Um, this one was a little weird for me, not going to lie. Like I know Milan's wanted him for a while, but that is now Giroud and Zlatan up front, so not sure what Milan's trying to do there.
0: Um they love their old strikers, don't they? The old trusty veterans, I guess. I'm happy for Ollie. And you know what? His farewell message to me really, really uh got me in my feels. Um we had a lot of great memories together. The Champions League, the Europa League, the bicycle kicks, um FA Cups, five goals in one match.
1: No, he, he was w- the leading – I think he was leading scorer in Europe for a while, wasn't he? In both, or, in both, yeah. Europa League and Champions League. I think he ended up tying Mbappe, if I'm not mistaken, for most goals in the Champions League this year. Uh, yeah. I could be talking out of my ass, but he was the leader for a while, and I know for a fact he was – he won the Europa League golden boot. So
0: The thank you Arsenal moment, we can't forget uh, that.
1: I mean he's just another ex-Arsenal player that – went to greener pastures and had a much better club career elsewhere.
0: He became, he sort of, okay. One quick aside on hero. Giroud. Before you get okay, there. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. I was going to ask that same question. <laughs> I was going to say, is he a cult hero? I think he is. That, I think as
1: far when, as he gets.
0: <laughs> this guy's always going to have, uh, this guy's always going to get an ovation every time he shows up at the bridge. between Yeah, now
1: and for the end sure. of his life. Yeah. Yeah, there's no, there's no, no, there's no confusion as to who Giroud is. He scored winners and finals. Yeah, he's major more Major part blue. of our big teams. He's more blue than he is red. Um, but yeah, yeah, cheers to him. Thank Thanks for sticking around longer than he probably would have wanted to um, in terms of minutes and the, the lack of minutes. But again, when he was on the pitch, he made his mark. Um, speaking of Mark, huh, see what I did there. Mark Gahey or Gurhey. That's a correct pronunciation.
0: Gehi. I, I, I've heard Gehy.
1: Gehy, Gerhy. I've heard both. But um, a player that we thought might have gotten a chance to to impress this offseason has signed for Crystal Palace for $18 million. Now, I believe that Chelsea has the the option of first refusal, meaning that if a team in the future bids for Gehy, Gerhy, and Palace is going to accept Chelsea has the right to match the offer and get him back as well as also like a sell on clause. So there is a percentage that would come back to the club. Honestly, There's,
0: there would ahead. be an obligation for Chelsea to get him back. If they match that fee, like correct. Yeah. It, it, Meaning it, it crystal palace doesn't have a choice.
1: Yeah. yeah. They, they take the same money that they would have taken had who knows Borussia Mönchengladbach Gladbach offers 20, whatever we would get first choice to get him back. Now, um, I think this is a smart move, because as of right now, the club's squad and death chart goes Thiago Silva, Antonio Rudiger, Christensen, Aspilicueta, Zuma, Zuma Reese James, potentially Malang Sar, and then Gurhi.
0: Maybe Ampadu, if he has a good preseason.
1: But, but he had a better loan. So maybe you put Gary at the beginning. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. He, so for, for a potentially three starting jobs, we have six players and he's seventh. So getting 18 million for the seventh man on your death chart, I think is good business. I understand that he was a monster for the Academy and I understand that his potential is through the roof, but in this market, if you can get almost 20 million for an unproven in the premier league talent with the option to get him back while he gets every second on the pitch. I think this is smart business.
0: Uh, me too. Honestly, I wasn't too bothered by it. Um, I had the same feeling with this. I actually had a better feeling about this deal than I did with Tomori because with Tomori, there, we didn't read anything about buyback clauses or anything like that. Was there with Tomori?
1: No, he's he was long gone. Like we yeah. we knew so, that he was leaving the moment he loaned, because there was uh not an obligation to buy, but an option to buy. Yeah. And then he was he hit the ground running in Italy. So
0: they love him over there. But with 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 Gahey, the deal sat with me better. Um, because there's that option with the buyback. Obviously, the option to match any other offer. Um, I think anytime you get somewhere in the range of 20 to 30 million for a guy his age doesn't have any premier league experience whatsoever let's keep that in mind um you have to take that deal especially in a summer where all the other potential deals we're exploring are very 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 expensive unlike past summers where we looked for more bargain deals here and there um i we'll get into it a little later i don't really want to spoil it too much um but this is something that um this is something that I feel comfortable with, unlike a lot of other Chelsea fans. And maybe this is the way forward, um, you know, because there are a lot of question marks about our loan, about our loan situation. So I'm gonna yeah. save that because I know, I know we're gonna jump to that whole hot topic later. But for now, just make it known, I, I'm comfortable with this deal. Um, another thing that we haven't considered is that he is gonna be playing with Gary Cahill, who is another Chelsea legend. Um, so we'll see how many minutes
1: he'll gets next year.
0: Well, well, no, I'm just saying he could learn from someone like that. And then obviously if he becomes the player that we expect him to be, that's a potential center back for the future for us. Look, the door is not closed. And that's the point. Unlike Tomori, um, we will have the option to get this guy back if he, if he balls out somewhere else. So good for him. You know, it's again, no premier league experience, money like that comes by, especially in a summer like this where we're looking to improve on an already Champions League winning side. Um, makes sense.
1: Yeah, so so unfortunately there's not any outgoings of the players that we want to get rid of. Bakayoko, Drinkwater, perhaps even Barkley, they're still all on board. But the understanding is that Tuchel said that he would get a look at them before deciding their future. Now, everyone knows going into this summer, maybe it was a pipe dream at first, but then kind of the the train on this rumor started taking off and the Erling Holland to Chelsea rumors will just not go away. Um, unfortunately, they're not going away because nothing has been completed just yet. Um, Ooh, you sound optimistic. Don't get everyone's hopes up. No, 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 no. I'm just the way that's been reported is that we're going to be annoying all summer. Yeah. Uh, now Dortmund already did sell Sancho to, to Man United. They made United pay the number they wanted, and they made them wait a whole year for this signature. So we do know that Dortmund, much like us, honestly, are tough negotiators. Um, they had They're been. are not r- in a rush. No, by no means. Yeah, it's, they don't need I, the money. Which I do think is weird, though. I mm. I I want to say that the the sell clause or whatever that goes into effect for next summer is 70 70 75 million and reportedly chelsea's willing to offer up to 150 which is double so if you're asking me if i would take a 100 dollars today or 50 in a year i would obviously take the 100 today but that's just me again i i think 100 mil goes (laughs) a little more
0: complicated than that
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah obviously but there had been reports for a while that we were going to try to do a swap deal. You know, the, the rumor was that Cho was included in the initial one because Sancho left. So there's a hole there that turns out to have been completely false. Um, there was also another one for a bit that maybe we would send Tammy Abraham the other way. There was never any concrete evidence of that. But with this saga, Chelsea's still kind of in in a weird striker limbo, which means that Tammy's future, which again, multiple Premier League clubs are interested. And I believe the price tag is around 40 million. Who knows where he's going to end up? Aston Villa likes the idea of Tammy. Arsenal likes the idea of Tammy. He's still a Chelsea player.
0: Who Andres, knows for how- I want to chime in on the Tammy talk for a sec. Um, as the commissioner of hashtag team Tammy, I would like to go on record and saying that I do hope he stays, but this, uh, I think Tammy would be most likely to leave Chelsea. If he was included in a swap deal to uh, West Ham for Declan Rice, I can definitely see something like that happening, especially with a club like West Ham who have aging striker. Um, Tammy will stay in London nice and close. I don't expect there will be a buyback clause or anything like that with a player like Tammy, because he's going for such a high fee already. But I, I, I have a hunch that he will go to West Ham if anything, but yeah, I mean, I guess the point is Tammy's not going anywhere unless we bring in somebody.
1: Right. Um, and, yeah. and, and I guess that's further that I'll double down and say Tammy's leaving if Holland gets here. There is no, 100%. I, I yep. don't see a future where both Holland and Tammy coexist in this squad. Mm-hmm. Now, the surprising bit, because, again, Giroud also left. Armando Broja signed a new five-year deal. And and now he may be the one staying as a third striking option or second or third or whatever, depending on how you want to draw up a striker's death chart. So that's exciting um, that, <laughs> in a way, the the fact that we haven't signed a striker means that we may look into one of our own to, to stick around in a Broja, who's got the big frame, some pace did well goals. for himself at the test. Yeah. He has goals. So again, a guy that's kind of feeling himself to be a second or third option at Chelsea at his age, not bad whatsoever. Again, we're going to be competing in the premier league. The, uh, Carabao cup, the FA cup, the club world cup and the champions league all simultaneously. So the need for having depth at every position is important. And the fact that Broja might be one of those guys is pretty exciting.
0: Yeah. I just, um, I want to add one more thing. Um, I know kind of switching gears here, but about Declan Rice, um, (laughs) kind of going back to that, I think Tuchel does have an infatuation with bringing in a guy who's multifaceted, and I think that's the only reason why Declan Rice is the only name we're hearing of besides Chiumeni. Um, So somebody that can play both the CDM and the center back might be on the cards. Um, something to note is that we're not looking at any center backs. A lot of the talk has calmed down. Um, you know, Varane was really the only one that we heard about besides Jules Kunde, who seemed to get priced out. But by the way, Jules Koundé is doing all the right things to move to Chelsea by rejecting <laughs> to move to Tottenham. Um, Maybe we can just use the Williams song with him when he comes. But um, we're not looking at any other center backs. You know, the Vron situation looks like he's happy to go to Man United. The talk with any other club seems to die out. So, look, man, I think Chelsea are going to be – it's going to be a frustrating summer, like you said. It's already been frustrating. And like the Holland saga, this is going to drag out too. Um, I don't think we're really looking anywhere outside these two guys and i don't necessarily think that's a bad thing so i'm kind of all in on this erling erling holland or bust this year so either get him or don't get anybody and just kind of wait but i have a feeling you know you talk about that 75 million fee if that fee does come if he doesn't go this summer it's that's the fee next year 75 yeah. million for any club to come in and talk directly with his agent at 75 million he's he's real madrid He's Real Madrid's property.
1: Yeah, I mean, and that's... At $75 million, I mean, we're doing... We're rolling out the red carpet, right? We're showing the interest, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's going to be... I think we'll be fiscally responsible to not overpay wage-wise if we're going to be, be put into a competition with PSG, Barcelona, mm-hmm. Real Madrid, etc. And again, Holland, we are, we've already seen his kind of personality, he has this sort of like the world against me in like a, in like a positive way about like how he views himself as kind of like a, he has to win sense. everything. Yeah. Yeah. He uh, Madrid seems to be, if it comes down to next year, something like Madrid would be the move. And and again, they can dig themselves a financial hole, but I know we won't. And, and that's why I think Chelsea's trying so hard to do it this summer. Like sh- just, you have to get him now. I, I've seen the argument um, for, oh, well, we'll just be a stepping stone in his career. Look, if we sign him and get two, three seasons out of him, we'll get double what we paid for when we sell mm-hmm. him again.
0: And that's exactly what I was going to say. If Holland comes to Chelsea, this isn't a seven or eight or nine year relationship where he scores 250 goals for the club and challenges Lampard for all time. That's not the case. Um This is a guy that's going to, yeah, (laughs) look, he's going to come in three or four years and he's gone. Um, I think four years would even be a bonus. So I don't know, man, look, I guess I want to kind of pose this question. Um, going back to what I said earlier, I just don't feel like right now. And let's listen tomorrow morning. I might feel a little differently at this point in time. I don't feel like an Erling Holland deal is going to come to fruition. I feel like if it was going to happen, it would have already. Um, would it be, really be the worst thing in the world if we didn't nab him this summer? And if we did have to stick with Kai Havertz and maybe give Tammy and Brosia a shot? He,
1: if, if we don't get Holland... Um, Is it a
0: failure if we don't probably, get Holland?
1: No, but I would want people's expectations to follow suit if we don't get Holland, we're not winning the Premier League. Like, I will be yeah. extremely pleasantly surprised if with the current striking options, we can win the Premier League. And and you can call me negative or whatever, but you're asking Timo yeah. Werner, you're asking Hakim Ziyech, you're asking Pulisic to stay healthy and have output. Like, that, that you're asking a lot. And Without Holland, and again, maybe I'm too like pessimistic on this, we're fourth place. We're behind Manchester City, we're behind a revamped Man United, a healthy Liverpool, and then us. And it may be a close war between second and fourth, but they the people in front of us have people that score goals.
0: I mean, if Man United get Varon
1: which is a almost a done deal according to Fabrizio Romano. Basically, yeah. Um Luke Shaw's in the form of his life. Maguire's well, ho- ho- playing well. Yeah.
0: I was going to say uh, Man United automatically becomes a favorite. Um they're they're adding probably the best center back in world football, you you can argue. Um so that's that's going to be big. Um Liverpool I feel like is the team that may fall off this season. Um you know talk about Mosala wanting to go Mane's not com- coming off not the greatest year ever Firmino for some reason still gets lauded as the greatest center forward that ever lived I don't know about Liverpool Man City obviously they're going to beef up we'll see what happens with the whole Harry Kane saga. but let's not forget dude uh Nuno went to Tottenham so that's obviously going to that's going to be big for them um They signed a
1: keeper, apparently. Whoop-de-doo. Oh,
0: Golini, or what is is his name?
1: Uh, One of Atlantas. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I'm honestly, man, like, I, if anything, Leicester City's next. Like, Spurs, like, I'm not, no. If they can keep Kane, they're always going to be,
0: if they can keep Kane, they're going to be sniffing around.
1: yeah. The, the, the Europa and if that because they're in the Europa confederations Listen, you, this year you were
0: you were talking fourth place that's borderline Europa territory as far as I'm concerned oh I'm no, not I'm, 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 I'm not thinking as...
1: comfortably fourth place I I honestly yeah. don't think we're gonna be in like again like Lester might be at our heels uh just because again I think Brendan Rogers understands his squad and they signed uh that DACA guy so if they can get him to score yeah they'll be they'll be set up well but I don't see Nuno fixing Spurs. I don't. And and, Holl- and uh, Holland, Kane is great, but he doesn't want to be there anymore. Like let's,
0: let let us A part of me wants to say I want him to go, but a part of me wants him to stay because we know that Tottenham peaked. Like they are who they are.
1: Right, right. They're so, on the, the downslope again. Yeah. Like they, they, the potential of a golden generation for Spurs is over. And while we're talking shit about London clubs, Arsenal's over here signing like low end Premier League talent. Like, I hope they continue. That's going to make a formidable second place in their group Europa League side. Mm -hmm. Good on you for overpaying for Ben White. Like,
0: oh man, I have an Arsenal buddy that was trying to argue that 69 million was a bargain. Van Dyke didn't even go for 69 million. So, Ben White better be the fucking second coming of Maldini, as far as I'm concerned, for him to be worth that money. He yeah. he can still be, a, he can be an 8 out of 10 or a 9 out of 10 this whole entire season, and it still won't justify the $69 million price tag. Because guess what? Arsenal don't need one center back, Andres. They need two.
1: <laughs> defense, Maybe three.
0: They might need a right back. I mean, I mean, they're
1: Bellerin might be believing. Yeah, I mean, yep. it's a mess, but it's a mess. They're... But but to bring it back, you're talking about Declan Rice. And, yeah. and one thing that the signing of Declan Rice would mean to me specifically is um, formational flexibility, because mm-hmm. right now I don't see Declan Rice being the type of midfielder, like at least based on how he played for England in the Euros, where I got to see him a little bit more. I don't see him doing like Conte's job.
0: He's not a replacement or, for Conte
1: or Jorginho's like no. they, they you don't take either of them out. Kovacic is more of a hybrid of those two, which is why he's a good option. And, and more in of my a
0: head, type, he needs to be in a pivot. Someone else needs to help him out with the running.
1: He is going to protect the shit out of a back line. And yeah. that's why I think that if Declan Rice comes, then that's a possibility for us to run a, a four, three, three, or maybe, you know, more of a, a double pivot that requires a holder defensive destroyer kind of thing where he's just there to protect the back line, which allows you to draw back four a little bit more. So that's the one thing that would interest me with the rice move. Um, I like, I like the rice move for
0: center back. I've eventually I've said this before. I mean, I still think that long-term he's, he's going to be a center back at some point he's going to move back there and just become, you know, the leader in the back line i I think he's built for it but i mean yeah i mean he can grow into
1: that we we probably don't need to put him there from the beginning but but i mean
0: i think you're no no not from the beginning but i think you're spot on with the whole um you know i mean flexibility thing and that's why the move is so appealing he is basically the he he will be the english marquinhos if we do wind up picking him up he'll be used in the same exact role when we need steel in the midfield he'll probably get dropped at the base of a three and he'll literally sit in front of the back line and not move far away from the middle. Or we could play him in the middle of a back three um, and he'll do just fine there. So I I personally think that the Declan Rice deal is probably the more feasible of the two if I had to be honest. And I'd be really excited about it. Um, But from what I'm hearing, West Ham's saying 100 million. There was a report that came out today. I don't know how true that is. They'll probably ask that much. I mean, we're a, we're a rival, London club. United
1: also wants him, so they might just be looking for a bidding war. I mean, I think this one's a little bit more complicated because West Ham definitely doesn't have to sell him, and they're they're in a Europa, aren't they? Um, I'm not sure actually. Uh, but. Let me see. Well, while I look it up, I was going to say my my thing is, is that the difference between Holland and not selling is he's going to a whole new league. So yeah. you don't even have to – when you sell him for big money, it's it's fine. But there's the English tax in the Premier League, and, yeah, it's just – it's a tough one. It. And, it again, Man United getting involved. And, and the other part of the Man United in, involvement is that in a way he fits what they already do far more than what we do. So um, I don't
0: even ahead. think man United's going to bid on him seriously. I think they're just going to bid on him to drive the price up for us they're 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 not looking at Declan Rice. They have Rafa Veron right in their crosshairs. He even told Madrid today that he is not necessarily going to push his way out but that he'd want to leave.
1: Right, right. And, and so, I don't think you'd be completely wrong. It's just the fact that if you want to unlock Pogba, you need to have somebody to protect him. And they insist in playing Pogba in a double pivot and Bruno at the 10. So yeah. it didn't work with McTominay. It didn't work with Fred. It didn't work with Matic. Like Declan Rice fits the bill. But again, we'll see what happens. If it's just Holland, I'll be happy. If it's these two, I'll be even happier. I mean, we'll see. We still have about a month and a half, I believe, of the transfer window. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, obviously, as a Chelsea fan, would love to see things move a little quicker. Just like,
0: just like, I feel like we say that every summer. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm, but I'm just glad. I'm just
0: summer. glad we didn't get Hakimi. That that that's what I'm happy about. I think that's the biggest win of the summer so far, is we didn't get suckered into spending 70 million on a wing back.
1: Yeah, I mean. I thought that that meant well, I'll use that as a perfect segue. I thought that meant that Tino Livramento would be getting a good look at. Mm. And and now the big hot topic, at least for the past 24 to 36 hours in the Chelsea fan base, is that reportedly three of our hot academy prospects, including Tino Livramento, Lewis Bate. Is it Bates? I I never oh, know yeah. that's a And uh, Miles Per harris all are refusing to sign a new contract. Uh, Bate has one year remaining, and it looks like he's not even looking to sign anything right now with Liverpool, Leeds, West Ham, and Southampton all interested. Uh, Tino it was our Academy Player of the Year. He has not signed an extension. Um, He's training with the U16s? Yeah, he is. Interesting because he won't um, sign the extension. Oh, I guess that's fair. And uh, obviously Premier League interest there and Miles Per harris as well. Miles Per harris as well. My thing here is this has divided the Chelsea fan base because there is never a time where the Chelsea fan base can be united ever into is this the club's fault or do these guys not have a backbone? Does Chelsea need to create a clear path for the academy to make it into the first team? are we even the only club that faces this issue? Like, where do you stand in this, like the youth versus the club's current search for success? Like, what is your take in this? Not not specifically with these three talents, because I feel like this happens all the time, but the bigger picture here, and, and I guess I'm, I'm trying to phrase it properly. So it is a bigger picture question, but at the same time, with the background of the fact of our current squad buildup being the way it is.
0: It's going to sound like tough love, but I just say deal with it. Here's the thing. We're, we are coming off a champions league. This is our second one. We are not a club that aspire to do big things. We're a club that does big things. So, it's, it's difficult because, you know, you do have that emotional attachment to those youth players. You do want them to succeed. You do see the pictures of them when they're 13, 14, 15, um, and, and you watch their development every year. And you want them in the team, obviously, but you have to take a step back and look at the players that have already sort of quote-unquote graduated into the first team already. Take a look at the level of talent that it takes, the level of ability that it takes to get into that side. A year ago, maybe two years ago, we were saying Tammy Abraham for sure is going to be our striker. I mean, we were talking. I was saying that at least he was going to be our striker for the next 10 years. He can't cut it. Um, guys like Fikayo Tomori, we thought he was going to be our center back for years to come. Couldn't cut it. Had to get the move. The level of talent that it takes to come into this team and not only get your opportunity but keep your spot in the team it is ridiculous. So – in, on one hand, I want to say, all right, they're quote unquote running from the grind. On the other hand, I understand you need to get that first team experience, whether it's at Leeds or whether it's at you know any bottom half of the table club. Take your pick. That experience is better than riding the bench and training with you know Chelsea first team only. So I get that side of the whole argument. Yeah. I'm not mad at them whatsoever. So uh, this isn't an attack on them at all. I get it. Um, You do as a club from Chelsea's perspective, you want to keep these guys around because obviously there is a level of expectation and don't get it twisted. These guys have ridiculous talent. They could all be world beaters if they wanted to. Um, The club want to keep these guys, but we can't make those promises to them that they're going to get the first team minutes. You know, a year ago, a year and a half ago, you could have made that argument. Frank was still the manager. He's still giving you the try transfer any ban. chance he gets the opportunity. We had the transfer ban as well, which presented the perfect opportunity to bring these guys in. I get that. I think maybe they're a little salty that the situation changed so rapidly because Tuchel hit the ground running and just won a champions league out of nowhere. Um, but when that happens, the club has to change their shift. All of a sudden we're not a club that's rebuilding. We're a club that just won the big one. Now we can look at guys like Erling Holland And, 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 you know, a plus players, as opposed to the a minus B plus players that have to develop. So look, my point is the club's focus is to improve the squad and only the first team right now. And I get that we just won the champions league. So we can't make these promises to these youth players. And honestly, we, we as fans, we can't be mad at them if they want to go, but at the same time, we can't be mad at the club for not for, for telling these guys the truth. I mean, it is what it is. Um, I don't know if it's a money issue. I don't know if that has a part to play. I, I'm i sure it's not because the youth players get paid. What did Callum sign 150,000 150, a week deal when he was 18? Well,
1: so yeah, but that, I don't think the money's you know an issue. We know why we gave him that money. It was yeah. the whole Bayern thing. And yeah, uh, that that's different.
0: Of course. But Andres, if the situation presented itself, let's say we re-sign all of these players, okay? And then next season... Crystal Palace comes in and they want to buy Livramento for 20 million. Do we not sell?
1: Oh, right. Here so so yeah, you're you're throwing the hypotheticals already out. I was gonna try to talk in in the big terms first. Like, yeah. Look, we you just said it. We just won the Champions League. Like we are trying to push to be a consistently elite club in world football. So, okay, we want to be elite. Let me put other clubs out there that are considered elite. Real Madrid, Bayern, Barcelona, Juventus. Maybe I'll throw in Manchester City, even though their history and success is a lot shorter. But in recent history, I have yet to see any of those teams have a clear pathway from the academy to the first team. Because those teams are looking to win and succeed immediately over thinking, oh, I need to play this little 19-year-old six matches in a row to see if he cuts it. And that may hurt my team. Like Mm -hmm. you, you, you don't, you have to be a little bit more cutthroat when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. We are not a crystal palace. We are not a wolves that have far lower expectations. And, you know, when you have lower expectations, you also have the ability to, Oh crap. One of my guys has a nagging injury. Let me throw in this talent and see what he can do at this level because then if it sticks, look at me. I just saved myself 30 mil on a player that can play for me. And now that's money that I'm saving so that I can compete with the big dogs financially. Like the reason why players for like Southampton make it into the team or again using Wolves or or even lower down. Who who was I going to use as a reference? I think. Hell, let's let's say Ben White at Brighton. Like, Arsenal. <laughs> Yeah, sure. Emil, Emil, Rose, whatever. The, the kid that now has the number 10 jersey at Arsenal, which is hilarious. Um, Yeah, these guys get to to get to that point because that team wasn't expecting to do anything. Like Harry Kane was nobody. He literally was nobody. It took three starters to get hurt at one position for Harry Kane to get a shot. Then Tottenham also didn't have the money yet, so he got to play another season. And then it turns out he actually could be really good. Like, you talked about the last batch of players for Chelsea. It took a transfer ban to allow Tammy, Mason Mount, Reece James, and Tomori to walk into the first team.
0: That and, that and that was my point. The level of talent that it takes, you can't just be a really, really good youth player that has potential. You have to be a player like Mason Mount that when you hit the ground, all of a sudden, you, you're you not a youth player after 10 matches. You're a bona fide Premier League starter. And, and that's my point. So another thing that frustrates me, Andres, and I'm going to vent a little here, especially on Twitter, which I know is, is its own rabbit hole that nobody should ever go down. Um, not every Chelsea youth player is going to become Mason Mount. Everybody needs to get that through their heads. So yes, these kids are talented. Yes, if you give them the opportunity, maybe they be they, they have the potential to become world beaters. Not a maybe. They do. But the point is we can't expect every single youth player that comes along to be the next big thing. That's not yeah. the way it works. Right. Look it, how it, long, look how long of a gap there was between JT and Mason Mount. So for us we just had Mason Mount two years ago. Let's give it a little bit of time before the next batch of youths come in and actually get their opportunities because right now, all these guys that are on this list, Lewis Fate, Livermental and Miles Part-Harris are nowhere near the first team. When our team is fully healthy, they're not getting minutes.
1: No, and, and, and you talk about this obsession, like I get it. Monaco had Mbappe and Salzburg had Holland, but like, again, you're asking, those are, freak people that worked their way up and they weren't even considered starters for the most part until injuries happened. Like so many things have to happen. Like Chelsea's Academy is one of the best in Europe. Like that is one thing that Roman Abramovich like made sure happened. So they're going to produce names that are going to be attract attracted to world like clubs around the world. But if you want me to believe that every year, Six of those guys have to make it into a 22-man squad. That is beyond, beyond naive. We cannot, like, the, especially the current squad at Chelsea that is either so young or, like, the few veteran guys are tied to long contracts. Like, I just mentioned the center back position with Gurhi. Lieber Mento, maybe you can have an argument that can play wing back on, you know, as a backup to Rhys James. But can you blame the kid if he wants to start somewhere else? Lewis Bate, he plays center mid. He's sitting so to nowhere play, near the team. Let, let's put the, the list again. Gilmore, who actually got minutes as the fourth option for two positions, left. So let's take him out of the equation. You got Conte, Jorginho, Kovacic. Below them, Gallagher is getting a look at. Barkley. Barkley's getting another look at. Loftus-Cheek is getting a look at. Trevo Chalaba is getting a look at. Like, so now you're now you're now 8th on that list. 8th for two positions. Pert Harris, to be honest, I don't even know where he plays. But if he plays center back or center mid, he ain't getting any minutes. You, you, so
0: the point is you can't you can't blame the club for telling these guys
1: the truth. Exactly. So yeah. oh, oh no, we didn't build a p- pathway. Okay, maybe the club like recently has been short-term and made bad deals like drink water bakayoko etc and they are actively trying to get rid of them like we unfortunately can't just be leaving five spots every season for the next up-and-comers and again the jump from the academy level to the premier league is a big one it is massive like it's like going from high school classes in education to college that first year
0: i I think it's even more intense probably
1: but like if you you can be the smartest kid in your high school and then you can be the biggest idiot in your chemistry 101 class like Mm -hmm. that's just how it works like thinking of players dominic solanke was supposed to be the next chelsea striker where is he now he decided oh Liverpool's telling me i'm gonna get minutes there nowhere he didn't make it anywhere Using a Liverpool example now, Brewster, I don't even know where the hell that kid is. He, I think he ended up at Sheffield and could even barely cut it there. Like,
0: with the, I mean, look, the, the, the point is we can't have it all. No, no, we a can't. A year and a half ago, two years ago, this was the dream. Bring in the youth. Let's limit the transfers unless it's a really smart move. Let's do it. Otherwise, let's give the youth their opportunity while we have you know, this transfer ban. Even after the transfer ban, I was still for playing the youth. We were all sold on that project. We saw enough to where we were like, okay, we have enough talent here where if we, if we harvest it right, we can have a Champions League winning side. Tuchel came in and said, we do have a Champions League winning side. Now, everything needs to change. It's a business decision. It's a it, not only a business decision, it's a fucking sporting decision. You have to make you have to make tough calls sometimes. And being a top club like this, Andres mentioned it, Real Madrid, Barça, Bayern, Juve, their youth players don't even stick around. They look for opportunities elsewhere, also.
1: Uh, so, Hakimi, he's at PSG yep. now. He left yeah. Real Madrid. Yeah. Like here here's the main thing for me. Like you don't want to burn a bridge with these kids, right? Like the last the last thing you want is for these kids to turn into your your who who's a kid that just got lost in the transfer in the loan army. Uh Louis Baker. Tons of potential under Mourinho. Mourinho was quoted saying that if this guy in the next 6 years doesn't make the England squad, it is my fault personally. Louis Baker is back in the preseason. He has had like 12 loans. Like If these guys want to go out there, because here's the other part. You can think that you're helping them with a loan. You send them on loan to a team that's supposed to do decent in the Premier League. They tell you they're going to use your player. And by week 10, they haven't won more than two games and they are in the relegation battle. They're not going to give a damn about your loan player. They are trying to scrape by and just survive. So then the loan player sits on an even shittier bench for a year.
0: So is that a valid reason to get mad at the club then? Because there is a lot of anger directed at like, okay, here, our loan our loan situation has been shit. Minus Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, Reese James.
1: No, because here's what the club just did right with Mark Gurhe. You say, you know what? I get it. You want to get first team football. The, this club bid, if that's a place that you think you can go, I think the prize is fair. I'm going to set up clause that says that if they try to sell you, I can bring you back. So you're gambling on yourself, and I'm gambling that if you're good enough, I'll bring you back. There is no burnt bridge. Then the club that buys him will try to develop him. And from there, you can decide if bringing him back is worth the investment. And sure, it is gonna be a, a, a transfer fee on somebody you brought in, but guess what? You cashed in on him already, or you let him walk.
0: I don't know how um I don't know how teams respond to offers like that where or proposals where there's buyback options and first refusals and things like that. I'm pretty sure that's at the bottom of the list of what a of what a buying or selling or what a buying club wants to do at least. Um, but in terms of the selling club, if our loan situation isn't working i I fucking love this. I don't know how feasible it is granted i don't I, I don't know the football side i don't know how we balance our books i don't know how i, I don't know how that works but if we can do this in more mass quantities kind of like how we had 15 lonies if we can sell one or two youth players a season with a buyback clause at that point there's no harm done the player gets his experience that he needs if it doesn't work out have a nice career if he winds up destroying the league he's in, becoming a world beater, and he's worth our time, all of a sudden we have a cheap – we we probably have a better deal than any other club that has interest in that guy, and we could go nap him. So I don't know if we can do this every single season. I don't know how feasible that is. I don't know how realistic it is. But I fucking love that thought of, okay, if our youth players are really, really wanting that move – and they don't like any of the of the loan options they can leave well, with the option to come back in the future
1: uh, my my thing is like you're asking if it's feasible i think it's feasible cuz these guys are unproven so these other teams are taking risks too they're getting a deal on a on a potential ceiling because that's mm-hmm. what they're banking on right margery he did well for swansea now you're thinking he can cut it in the premier league i can get him before his price goes up in the premier league by bidding 18 million to Chelsea and what does Chelsea do if his value is going to increase and I find myself needing a center back I don't even have to get into a bidding war I just have to match a bid that's it yeah that's all it takes and the point is the best part
0: probably is that you're not burning a bridge at the end of the day the club is getting what they want and the players getting what they want. I've seen a lot of people going around saying, hey, that's, how is that a win-win for both parties? No, take your emotions out of the situation. From a business perspective, let's not forget, Chelsea Football Club's a business. We've had Dan Silver on this podcast three times now. Every single time he's come on, he's stated, Chelsea Football Club is still a business before they're a football club. So don't get it twisted. Good deal comes by, player wants to leave, money works for us, he's gone. In a few years, if he's great, we come back and no harm, no foul. The player would want to come back. The player would – if the player really is excelling at that level, granted, of course, if Real Madrid and Barcelona aren't sniffing around, maybe they'll look the other way. But in general, players would want to come back because they'll feel like they have a stone that they left unturned. They have a point to prove. So there you have it. Maybe that's the way to go forward. I don't know. Yeah.
1: And you ask, how is it it a win-win? Well, Chelsea cash in immediately, mm -hmm. like you said, without making this guy hate the club for ruining his youth. He gets what he wants. And he gets the playing time because, again, the difference between being a lone player where it's a short-term commitment by the club to bring you in versus, oh, you signed a five-year deal at 20 years old. Well, guess what? Not many people, if they do kill it, at a middle mid-table side at 20 years old, stay there. Exactly. And and, wow. and again, like before before I forget, like talk about like, oh, we've let go players. Like, do not put in KDB, Lukaku, and Salon to this because they were not academy players. Let's use Academy players. The only Academy player that left that we let go that is in a major team right now is Nathan Ake. Is Nathan Akin, he's not even a starter. So, like, keep that in mind. Like, it is tough to, like, make the jump. Like, not everyone, again, not everyone is Jaden Sancho. Not everyone is Phil Foden. Not everyone, to even put it into perspective within our own team, Callum Hudson-Odoi, still trying to make it in. You can't expect everyone to be a carbon copy of a case from another team. It, yeah. it doesn't work that way.
0: Exactly. Shift the expectations, people. We just won a Champions League. We literally just finished talking about Erling Holland and Declan Rice possibly coming in this summer about 10 minutes ago. Why the fuck would we care so much right now about these three? I know it yeah. sounds shitty. I know it sounds cold-hearted and... No, I care about these players. I hope they all succeed. Like, I'm a big fan, especially of Livermento. I'm a big fan of these guys. But but let's just be realistic here. I mean, we're a top club. So we have to maintain that. And unfortunately, the academy can't be priority one or two right now. So, uh, Andres, we finally agreed on something, which is nice. Very emotional.
1: Uh, one other thing is, like, yeah, the Academy's job is to help these guys make it professionally. Like, these guys are coming to the Chelsea Academy to get the best coaching through their youth system. If these guys make it into a Premier League club and it's not Chelsea, I still success. think it's a success. The oh, kid got to where you wanted to.
0: That's the dream. Very f- – I think very few – and look, I, these three are leaving because they know that. I think very few players are, are can make it at Chelsea ultimately, right? And yeah. these guys, they're, they're just being realistic about things. Yeah. I don't blame them.
1: And the other th- thing that I forgot to mention that I think could be a solution to this sort of problem, if you find this talent and they're 18 years old, send them on a two-year loan. Mm-hmm. The club, on the other hand, end can have the player for two seasons so they know they'll have them back for another preseason, use them up, and, and in their end, they're thinking, oh, I can maybe lure him in afterwards and tell him to stay. Meanwhile, you as a club are thinking, oh, my other center backs or my other center mids have aged two more years. This guy's been killing it over there. Case in point, Andreas Christensen, two years in motion Gladbach, came back under Conte, and Regardless of how you feel about Christensen, he is now a Champions League winner, and he was a key member of that side, and he's going to be staying here. So there's, there's ways that the club maybe can learn from the past, but if these kids want to be at the top at age 17, 18, I can't blame them. Like, I can't.
0: Yeah, me neither. I mean, I wish them well, so... I'll, I'll leave it at that. I mean, I, I really wish them well. And honestly, I wish they all resign. <laughs> Let's not get it twisted. I, I hope all three of them wake up tomorrow and go, good Lord, what kind of mistake did I make? I love this club way too much to leave. I'm going to stay here forever and ever and just wait. That's what we all want, but it doesn't work that way. Um, But yeah, I mean, that brings us to the end of the show this week. Um, Andres, we will be expecting a lot more content. Um, And hopefully we'll have some on board next time. So until then, keep the blue flag flying high.